You're listening to the Science of Sports Recovery Podcast. Each week, we explore how to recover more efficiently from training so you can work out harder and realize your full potential. This is the Science of Sports Recovery Podcast. You're listening to the Science of Sports Recovery Podcast. On the show today, I'm sitting with Kylie O'Miller, a professional lacrosse player for Team USA. She holds the NCAA single season's point record, the NCAA single season assist record, the NCAA career points record. And now, while also being an athlete, she hosts the the KO17 lacrosse camps, uh, training up-and-coming athletes to peak performance. Kylie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to talk on recovery today on the side of lacrosse. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Kylie, how did you get started in the, the sport of lacrosse? Yeah, um, so I grew up on Long Island in New York. Um, I played, I started playing lacrosse when I was in third grade, um, but I played all sorts of different sports growing up. Um, played soccer, basketball. We swam competitively. When I say we, I mean uh, myself and my younger sister, Karen. Um, we just played all the sports and we got into lacrosse in third grade. And um, ever since then, I've just kind of fell in love with the idea of um, you know, having this stick in our hands and being able to be super creative with it. And, um, you know, the more that you worked at it, the better that you got, the less frustrating that it got. It's definitely a frustrating sport at first. So, yeah. um, you know, having the stick in my hands was just kind of like a staple for me. Um, sure. If you knew me growing up, if you know me now, uh, like my entire career is based off lacrosse now. And um, but that's just how it was when I was growing up, too. I always had the stick in my hand. Did your parents like have a history of lacrosse or was it new to the family? Uh, lacrosse was new to the family. My parents both played sports though. My mom played soccer in college and my dad played hockey and baseball. So okay. lacrosse was new, but both myself and my sister got into it and sure. it quickly became both of our top sports. Okay. Um, it, she plays at Stony Brook now. She's finishing out her fifth year. Um, so we both started playing at a very high level and now nice. our parents are lax rats. <laughs> awesome how how much younger is your sister than you she's two years younger so we got to play together at stony brook cool. um for two years cool so i have older brothers that got me into the sport of endurance running and i'm curious to know like through your you know third grade to high school did your younger sister kind of just do the sports that you did and was there a lot of com competitiveness there between her and you yeah I don't know if she necessarily played the sports that I did because I played them I think we kind of like just started them at the same time um and then just kind of ended up loving the same ones so we both played together um in high school for lacrosse basketball and volleyball um so we came from a school that like here on Long Island you can move up and play on JV or varsity in high school so um we both got the chance to do that for all three of those sports so we got to play together on all three of those sports um you know for all of high school pretty much and then of course into college we continued that with on the lacrosse side but we were lucky there wasn't too too much competition between us i think it was like if there was any competition it was healthy competition um we always really had each other's backs out there and um we always got described by people who watched us as um, the two who had the most chemistry 
Um, we kind of just always knew each other's sure. strengths and we worked well towards them. So, um, yeah. Cool. So what was it? Well, can you remember like a point, a, de- a definitive point where you're like, lacrosse is my sport? Like, I like all sports or, you know, other sports, but lacrosse is my thing. Yeah, um, I think around middle school is where I realized I started in third grade. And then by fifth grade, I was playing on a very competitive travel team. And, you know, in middle school is when my obsession with like the college game and playing division one kind of came around. And I started to manifest those dreams a little bit and realized that it could be a reality for me if I put in the time and the effort. Um, and yeah, and then going into high school, it was, um, you know, early recruiting and stuff like that. So I would say middle school was when I realized like, Hey, I could actually have a future in this. Not sure what it looks like yet, but I I definitely want to try and play at the highest level. Cool. Cool. So then you go to college, talk to us a little bit about your college career. What was that like? And you mentioned D1 is, um, lacrosse, I mean, follows the same divisions as every other sport in NCAA D1, 2, and 3, or is it different? Yeah, um, so mostly the same as other sports, but yeah, we, I played, um, you know, I got recruited by a couple, a handful of Division One schools, um, a handful of Division Two and Division Three as well, but I knew that I wanted to play at the highest level. So um, I, you know, kept looking through those division one schools that were interested when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, among those were Stony Brook, which is where I ended up. Um, Johns Hopkins, Loyola, um, UMass, UConn, a couple of those schools. So, um, you know, I was getting some decent looks on the side of, of some recruiting and uh, very grateful that I ended up choosing Stony Brook I stayed here on Long Island and I was able to play every single game in front of my parents in front of extended family um you know so that was important and wasn't something that I realized early on in the recruiting process that I was going to need or going to want um but once I got there and once I was there and, and fully invested in it um it was so important and so important so that my sister ended up coming together and it was a whole family affair but um yeah. Yeah. I can relate to the being close to home. Uh, I went to school. I went to a D2 school um, because I thought I saw there was potential to go to nationals right away that first year. And but I was getting recruited from, you know, these the school and schools that were, you know, 10 hours, 15 hours away. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was glad retrospectively I was glad I chose the one that was closer to home because you know my parent I could go home once um, and just kind of get away from the city I grew up on a small small farm uh, but also my parents were able to come to a lot of the meets which is makes a big difference like now I'm assuming you travel a lot more mm-hmm. um, do you notice that that or do, maybe your family gets to come still to all of your your you know competitions but do you notice it when you have that support group there or when they're not yeah definitely and I notice it a lot in a lot of the young girls that I mentor now um that may might be going through the recruiting process at this time or might be you know now in college and realizing oh maybe I didn't want to go so far away like I'm missing my family um and I think it was something that was recognizable over this last year too with COVID and like uh, once we started to get into, you know, coming back to playing, fans weren't allowed in the beginning, right? Um, we're starting to get get back into that as we speak now. But, um, you know, 
I remember that being a difficulty for my sister. It was like, well, this is weird. Mom and dad have never not been to one of my games. And now it's yeah. like universities are telling them you physically aren't allowed in the stands because of this coronavirus pandemic, mm-hmm. which makes a ton of sense. But, um, you know, I think it is a, a struggle. It is something that I don't think a lot of us realize that we lean on that support mm-hmm. and then we lean on that just like, um, whether they're yelling from the stands in a lacrosse game or you just know that they're going to be there at the end of a race, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think it's something that we kind of grow up with, yeah. um, especially if we've been playing our sports since we were little kids. Like, they're the ones who got us into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's all of a sudden not there, it's like, whoa, what what feels like it's missing? Why does why do things feel weird? So, yeah. um, you know, I'm always just forever grateful that my parents, they, they love it um, and they're super supportive and um, if they can make any game across the country, they fly, they drive, they do all the things and awesome. they make sure that they're there for my sister and myself. Yeah. I think it comes down to like a level of comfortness. Like it's not mm-hmm. that them being there makes like a, t- a total difference in my performance at least, but it's mm-hmm. just like, it gives you a little bit of sameness throughout wherever you are you know you can be in california you can be in you know sioux falls south dakota or in you know new york Mm -hmm. and you have at least you have the same some of the same people there with you so it creates that sameness uh, familiarity of it uh and i and i would imagine like lacrosse is a very high intensive like you need a lot of focus because not only is there you know people moving around but there's sticks flying around there's a ball flying around and i you know not gonna pretend like i know anything about lacrosse (laughs) um but i would imagine it takes a lot of focus so how do you like prepare for a a game or a championship a tournament um mentally before you get onto the field um, yeah, so to go to your point, I mean, lacrosse is a very fast, very physical, um, just exciting, fast-paced moving game. So like you said, there's a lot of moving parts to it. Uh, depending on what position that you play, you could be running up and down a 100-yard field for 60 minutes at a time. There's a lot of sprints, a lot of hard cuts, a lot of hard hits that you're going to take mm-hmm. um, using velocity, using power, using finesse. Um, and like, one thing that I always think about when I think about lacrosse too, is, um, the best players play with the game in slow motion Mm -hmm. up here, right. In their head. Um, but while they're like their body's moving as quickly as possible or exerting as much energy as it can, um, which is a really tough thing to do. And I think like when to answer your question, physically training, that's a lot of what my physical training consists of is like. How can we get your brain thinking quickly but clearly um, while your body is trying to make this cut as sharp as it possibly can or make this roll dodge as quickly as you possibly can? Or um, And that's what's kind of helped me develop um, and help me train for in-game situations. And then on like the mental side of things, I think it's, you know, for lacrosse players, it's, it's being able to go out there with a clear head. Um, it's something that I talk to a lot of young girls about and something that I still, as an athlete, as a player myself, still to this day, um, you know, I've seen some of the best competition out there and that can get scary, right? And I think like this comes with all sports, Mm -hmm. but there are pressure situations, there are games that, you know, might end careers, there are games that are going to end seasons, there are games that are going to be super, super important. There's going to be a lot of outside pressure from media, there's going to be outside pressure from expectations of coaches. 
the list goes on and on, right? So that pr- I think it's all about like handling that pressure. And as you start to prepare for games, the best way that you can do so is to put yourself or have trainers or coaches help you put yourself in those pressure situations um, before you even get to game day. So you can work on like getting through them before yeah. it actually matters. How would you do that? Like you're saying, putting yourself in those pressure situations without having the you know competition. How would you go about doing that? Yeah, I mean, for me, so I, I guess just to like put it in context here, like the last 18 months, it's been 18 months since we've trained together um, on the professional lacrosse side of things, mm-hmm. um, on the women's side, at least just because of the pandemic. So a lot of it has been, you know, on your own. And to answer your question, like the best practice in those situations that you can get is obviously being in a practice with those people who are going to push you the hardest, you know, playing in drills and, and situations that are going to be very game-like. Um, but when it comes to like on your own, I know, for instance, my trainer, um, I've been with him for 10 years. And so he knows me inside and out mentally when I'm having a good day, mentally when I'm, you know, these are the, I would say to answer your question best is when I show up to a training session and I think I know the game plan, right? Like, I think I know what's happening. I'm like, all right, cool. It's like leg day. I know what kind of sprints are coming, like, blah, blah, blah. And he sees that in my face, like he sees it. And he also sees that I'm in a bad mood for whatever reason. That's when he switches it up on me. That's when he'll throw an extra couple sets of some sort of sprints. That's when he'll throw in a couple of drills where we're thinking about like hitting different cones or finding different patterns. And this is all stuff without my lacrosse stick. But um, again, just to kind of place that pressure depending on your mood, depending on your emotions, because you never know when game time comes, like how you're going to be feeling that day, mm-hmm. right? Not every single game day or not every single race day for you, right? Like you totally. felt your best. You wish you could. Yeah. But, um, you know, you kind of have to prepare for all situations. So my trainer does a great job of that. Yeah, that's a good point. And sometimes you come into the race or to the competition not feeling the best, but you ended up performing mm-hmm. the best and I tell people that all the time like you you can't base how you're going to perform on the warm-up because mm. I've had some of the worst warm-ups of my life correlate to you know best times of my life so uh you know you you had said yeah. something that I want to circle back to about having a clear mind coming into the the competition. I think that's really important. Uh, how do you have like a process or, or things that you do to make sure that you can kind of shed the weight of life and other responsibilities before stepping onto the field? Yeah, um, you know, I think for me, something that I've always done, and it sounds kind of silly, but um especially as media becomes like a big thing. And this was, this started when I was in college and the team that I played on, we, um, you know, Stony Brook, we, we did a lot of really special things during my time there. And there was a lot of hype around my team because we were doing things that people didn't expect us to, right. We were stepping onto a national stage and making some noise. So before every single game, it was like, you'd get tagged in this tweet or you'd get tagged in this Instagram post or, you know, someone saying something about the game and, Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff, like I was lucky to be taught by mentors to like block that stuff out and something that I would do always. And this goes all the way back to when I was in high school. But um, I always like to look back at like old highlights of like our team 
And just like that's if I'm going to be looking at my phone while I'm listening to my game day playlist, Mm -hmm. that's what I'll be looking at rather than the noise of like the expectations and the pressure of what's supposed to happen in that game. I try to fill myself up with like, okay, look at what you've done already. Look at what your teammates have done. Look at what's possible rather than like the negativity. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's like a bus ride type situation or, you know, a day of if you have like a late game day, game time or something. Um, but I mean, right before competitions, right before games, you know, in the locker room, I think something that's important for me, I'm an outgoing person. I like to make sure that my teammates are feeling good. I like mm-hmm. to make sure like, that's how I know I feel good and loose. Like I play my best when I'm loose yeah. and I'm not so worried about all that pressure. Um, so, you know, in the locker room, I'm making sure I get my eye black on ready to go and, um, you know, do all my superstitious little stuff. But then I'm, you know, I'm chatting with my teammates and, getting loose to the to the game day music i'm making sure that like um you know the second that we step out on the field for warm-ups like mm-hmm. you said like i'm consistently chattering and i think sure. um whether that's like lifting people up or whether that's like oh i can't wait to like whatever it might be um that kind of putting that positive energy out um helps me not so much like bottle up and focus inward sure so it's a little bit of a balance do you do any of that um uh, like focus on your own own gameplay prior to that like visualizing how the game's gonna go or anything like that definitely um i'm a big fan of visualization i think i'm like i i wouldn't say fan i think i'm a believer in it sure um just because again like i i just i've experienced so much of it um in my own personal career where like you lay you lay around or you're like daydreaming one day or you're on your way to a hard training session you're trying to pump yourself up with music and you can just like envision yourself running through a certain play or envision a teammate like passing down to a teammate or this certain thing and um that kind of stuff one gets me fired up to play and two um you see it happen so much right like you you can physically go from visualizing a play or something happening out onto the field to making it a reality just because it's mm-hmm. it's stuck up here totally. um and it's something that you can kind of manifest into reality but yeah. seems kind of silly but i think it's it's something that i've seen kind of yeah. over the years yeah you you talked about like um playing fast but in your mind being in slow motion when you're visualizing do you visualize it like full speed or do you visualize it in slow mo that's a cool question. I think it happens at like normal speed, mm-hmm. but then like when you see it, I don't know, when you see it once, then, then you can play replay it. I think that comes from just watching a ton of film and yeah. watching sports in general. Once you see it in full speed, then it gets replayed like 16 times. So yeah. <laughs> maybe that's just how my brain is sure. like taught to work, but <laughs> a bunch of replays before you start. You just, and... <laughs> yeah. Just slow-mo replays. And it's like, all right, broken it all down in my visualization. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I'll, I'll visualize like key parts of the race and then like, um, just focus on inner, um, kind of, cause the difference I, I feel like, and maybe you can attest to this, but the difference between, say, like endurance running to lacrosse is endurance running is a lot of inward focus where you're like checking in on yourself. You know, I'm halfway through. How do I feel? Because it doesn't matter how anybody else feels. Where lacrosse is like, okay, you know, what's going on throughout the whole the field? And you're mm-hmm. less worried about how you feel internally. Uh, so I think that's part of the, the reason why I'm more of the internal focus and then 
when I'm going to make a move, that's what I visualize kind of uh, and stuff. But how, uh, what about like after the competition? Do you do anything to like decompress or kind of recap uh, a competition in a way that you're not, you know, affecting sleep or, or anything like that? If you stick around and listen to enough of our episodes here on the Science of Sports Recovery podcast, you'll notice a common theme of importance of mobility in recovery and injury prevention. That's why I recommend checking out the Ready States Virtual Mobility Coach to help you improve your mobility, recoverability, and injury prevention. The Ready State is a brainchild of coach and athlete Dr. Kelly Starrett, who you can learn more about on episode 13. His virtual mobility coach program helps athletes understand the importance of recovery, pain relief, and self-care. In other words, it helps fix the recovery side of training so you can keep seeing results from your workouts. His program will guide you through the same mobilizations used on athletes in the NFL, NHL, and MLB. Provide custom tools for pain relief give you customized pre and post exercise mobilizations based on your training and sports schedule and deliver daily mobilizations to keep you on track to achieve your goals. You put your heart and soul into your workouts. Make sure you get the most of them by going to the readystate.com slash Jace. Again, that's the readystate.com slash J A S E. The link will also be in the show notes. Now back to the show. Yeah, I think um, it's funny that you said affecting sleep because I think there are certain games or like big wins or something or you have like a great personal performance that it's hard to come down from that adrenaline rush. But, um, you know, I think after games, uh, making sure that I if my family's there, spend some time with my family. And um, yeah, I like to definitely decompress, make sure that I get a good meal in me eventually. Um, Most of the times when I get off the field, I'm not hungry right away. Um, And again, I think that's an adrenaline thing. But um a couple hours later I, I usually get a good meal in me and I can usually get a good good amount of sleep as well once I get there's not necessarily anything that I do per se to get my adrenaline down other than just make sure that I like get myself in bed like take a nice shower and like go to sleep if yeah. it's like a night game or something like that just make sure I get off my feet but I mean lacrosse games are tough so there is a there is a bunch of um you know hitting and banging and I've fall on the floor a lot because I'm little. So, um, you know, I usually feel pretty beat up mm-hmm. after games as well. So just making sure that I get a good meal in me, get my adrenaline down, recap on the game, um, just, you know, inwards by thinking about it, how it went, recapping positives, negatives, and then kind of like moving on to, okay, sure. tomorrow's a new day, either way. Does it make a difference whether you're doing like, uh, you know, just a regular competition throughout the week and you wouldn't have another one until you know say next week versus maybe in a tournament setting do you guys do like back-to-back days or multiple games in a day yeah so um with team usa we usually do um training weekends um every couple months and those will consist of like multiple sessions a day for three or four days straight um so those are usually pretty taxing um and when it comes to those you know after a morning session before the next session it's a lot of like making sure that we get off our feet um, again, get a good meal in, get those electrolytes, but also not so much off your feet for so long that you like can't end up getting back yeah, up and like getting crusty. the adrenaline back going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So it's like a, a healthy balance. We usually end up having some sort of like, we're making sure that we're hanging out with teammates in between where, yeah, we might be sitting in a hotel bed, right? Making sure that our legs are rested. But if we're having conversation and we're engaging in that rather than like falling asleep or watching TV, mm-hmm. we can keep our mind sharp and ready for the next session. Sure. That's at least how I like to do it. Um, and then in a sense of like gameplay in college, it was, you know, you could have multiple games a week or you could have one game a week. Um, this upcoming season, I'm playing with Athletes Unlimited, which is the new professional women's lacrosse league. And we're gonna have um, six weeks straight. Um, every weekend, we're gonna play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll play three games every weekend. Um, so I'm interested to see you know, how the recovery is gonna go for those. Yeah. Um, but I think it should be nice to have you know a solid bunch of hours rather than playing two games in a day or and then be able to have a couple days in between each of those weekends mm-hmm. to reset and kind of like um, take care of any injuries, take care of any nagging, anything, um, rehydrate, rest up, fuel up and get back out there. So how, how do you in your experience, have you seen like sleep and nutrition We're kind of getting into that now affect the mental side, like the alertness, the focus on the field? Um, it was a huge transition for me, actually. I um, went through this like massive, I guess, journey in nutrition and recovery and like the mental side of the game halfway through my college career, um, where like beforehand I was relying strictly on just like natural talent and like um, just kind of like getting my way through it. Yeah. But and I was good, but I wanted to be like elite, you know, yeah. so and I, I had these conversations with you know, my coaches and my trainers and the people who supported me most. And I was like, okay, I need the criticism. Like where, what's missing? You know, what's the X factor? And it was like, are you in the best shape of your life? My answer was no. And it was, it wasn't because I wasn't doing all the same workouts that everybody else was. Right. It was because I wasn't tracking my nutrition and what I was putting into my body or, um, you know, I was going through really long training days and then just waking up and doing it again without any stretching or any like sort of tracking my sleep or, um, had no idea how much water I was intaking each day, um, like those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, halfway through my college career, we started tracking all of that stuff, ended up losing a bunch of body fat. Um, and just like, it became, a, and I saw physical, but the, also the mental, like you said, everything was clearer, the results from that, everything came clearer, everything came easier. I wasn't out on the field worrying about if like I was going to run out of steam Right. I was just worrying about playing yeah. and like, what's the next play? Like, OK, I made a mistake. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go hustle after it because I'm not tired. I feel good. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff like that. So it was a big change for me. And then it kind of just became a part of my lifestyle because yeah. I recognized. So, hey, this is like real important. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to us like what what those changes, like concrete examples of this. It was Kylie before. This is Kylie now. You know, what on the nutrition side, what were you changing there? Um, so back then it was, and I say back then as if it wasn't like four years ago, but yeah, I think like a bunch of the changes were just like actually tracking what I was eating, right? Like I knew that it wasn't necessarily that I wasn't eating healthy. It was just, I was just kind of eating because I was hungry or eating because, hey, it's dinner time or eating because, you know, and things like that. Um, we started tracking like, okay, you're going to have X amount of meals a day, um, this much protein, this much carbs, this much veggies Mm -hmm. at each meal, um, for X amount of weeks. And then we'll check back in right with, 
Um, and we um, always tracked my body fat percentage. Uh, it was never about my weight. I never looked at my weight mm-hmm. number. Um, it was always about just kind of like, again, how I felt in my body. Yeah. And how like were making you, those what, what were you using to track your body fat percentage? Uh, my train, I don't know. My trainer did it, but was it like a skin uh, fold or a, like in a bod pod or? I don't know what it's called, but it's like a little pincher thing. And okay, was, skin fold test. Yeah, yeah, got it. <laughs> yeah, it's, I call it the pincher because um, <laughs> it pinches me. But yeah, skin fold test. That's funny that I didn't know that, but because he's literally been doing it for eight years. But um, yeah, it was okay. And I think I got like a almost addicted to like the results. Right. And like seeing that, okay, if I take care of the meals that I can prepare for myself and know that I'm going to eat at a certain time of day and know that if I have a super busy day, because I'm on my feet a lot coaching as well as on top of my training to be an elite athlete. So, um, you know, my days are busy and they take a lot out of me. So I didn't know necessarily that I needed as many calories into my like into my body to make sure that I was fueled the right way. So um, just kind of learning about things like that, like calorie intake and um, when to eat, what to eat, um, was really just the biggest difference. Yeah, for me. that was actually going to be my next question. When you switched to tracking your food, did you um, start eating more or less? Did you notice a volume change? Yes, um, and it's so funny that you asked that because I think that's something that um, came as a shock to me at first. Comes to sh- as a shock to a lot of young athletes, especially females. It's like, wait, I should be eating more than I am like I, I feel full or I should be eating more protein like what if I um get all these muscles and it's like okay you're supposed to have muscles bruh. yeah you know but um those muscles no but it's a it's true it's like I laugh about it but at the same time it's it's so important because if you fuel your body the right way you you can develop those muscles you can feel good in your body and you can feel confident as a lacrosse player as a soccer player as a basketball player as a runner as an athlete all in general. So mm-hmm. um, I think just kind of like, again, learning that and learning like, I need this X amount of calories to make sure that I can get through my day and feel rested and recovered so that I can get up and do it again tomorrow mm-hmm. with no changes to my body. Like it's not going to make me gain 15 pounds. Okay, like let, let's let's try this out and let's test it out. And that's exactly how we jumped into it. And yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So just to be clear, what I'm hearing you say is you upped your volume of food and your body fat percentage declined. Yes, correct. Yeah. So that, it was just I mean, a matter of what, like, not so much quantity, it was quality, you know? Yeah. Um, because yes, we added the quantity of what I was eating, but um, the quality of what I was eating, like I, I ate three times the amount of vegetables that I ever did in my life. Sure. And I still do to this day. Um, you know, do I you eat I, vegetables for breakfast. Yes. <laughs> How? How I put them in my <laughs> omelets. Um, okay. I I eat lots of little like um peppers and cucumbers and mm. carrots and all those things. But that was something that I never like. Again, I would yeah. think breakfast. I think like oatmeal, cereal, like mm. eggs. But you don't ever think of where where you're getting your vegetables there. Yeah. Um, and that was again just something that like took a little bit of like habit tracking and adding into the the schedule and like reminding myself of and um yeah Does no, it it's just a part feel of my life. normal now to have carrots for breakfast yeah to <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah definitely because i know how like i i think knowing now you know five years later or so um mm-hmm. once i started this journey it's like i know that i'm supposed to feel a certain like fullness 
right? Like I shouldn't be going to a workout feeling empty or feeling like mm-hmm. um, not fueled up because then I know that I'm not going to be able to put my best into that training session. Yeah. So yeah, I think to answer your question quickly, I, I'm used to it now. Did you ever have like 5am practices, early morning practices? And if so, how do you feel before that? Um, yes, we had a bunch of those in college and I wake up very early sometimes to, to travel and then be at a big event all day long and be playing at that event as well. So, um, still sometimes happens, but yeah, those 5am, 6am practices, I mean, definitely more difficult personally for me to eat before those, but I would still make sure I had something in my system. Um, and yeah, I mean, you feel you feel groggy when you first wake up, but I also, I had a routine in college, like, so I'm going back to the college days, but if our normal practice time was at 11 a.m., I would show up at the locker room, you know, an hour and a half beforehand so I could get my treatment and I could wake up and like get into practice yeah. mode um, with all that else is going on. So even though it was a 6 a.m. practice, I would still do the same thing, um, even though that made it an earlier wake up. I knew that I needed to get myself like awake, mm-hmm. ready, get my body prepared to go out there and play because the practice plan wasn't going to change just because it was 6 a.m., right? Yeah, but um, totally. I needed to make sure that I was ready to go. Yeah, I do the same thing with mm-hmm. uh, any like important workouts, you know, because we have like your easy days and you have like your, you know, long runs or your tempo runs or whatever and if i was gonna do that at six in the morning i'd make sure i'm up at least two hours before so i can feel properly and um just be awake because there's uh if you've ever rolled out of the bed and started to go on a run like you'll know <laughs> it's not the same <laughs> and and then you yeah definitely you'll struggle throughout it and then afterwards you just won't feel great about it either so yeah i agree with you so how many times have you been injured in your career? A bunch. Um, <laughs> a bunch. I've been playing lacrosse for a long time. Um, and I've got, you know, all sorts of like nagging injuries that have mm-hmm. popped up here and there. Um, and that comes with, you know, playing three hours of practice a day at a very high level, especially mm-hmm. in college and beyond. Um, yeah. What, but, are, yeah, what are I, common I, nagging injuries in lacrosse? Um, so some common ones would be like, like hamstrings or groins or or quads, things like that. Like any sorts of pulls or like small tears or things like that. Um, I, um, had a bunch of shin problems in college as well. Um, just again, with a lot of the pounding and everything like that, it's not Mm -hmm. definitely not endurance running. So it's not the same, but I think the, the change of direction was tough on my shins in particular. Um, and then, so that's like some of the nagging stuff, but, um, you know, I think a big thing in lacrosse is there's a ton of knee injuries, knock on wood. Um, you know, I think just being able to, to prevent those and think about like when it comes to, um, you know, spending some time in the training room before and after practice, making sure that you're, um, you know, working on those preventative things, I think is really important. Um, Especially, like I said, there's a lot of change of direction. There's a lot of like sudden movements. There's a lot of like running full speed and then you got to turn and do a complete 180 and a roll dodge. And if you're not preparing for those movements, unfortunately, we see a lot of, you know, knee issues and ankle issues um, in the sport of lacrosse. So, again, knock on wood. But, um, yeah, I've seen seen that a ton, experienced it a ton as well. So, um, how how much do you think like uh, 
being healthy or injury prevention is genetics where like you just have good genes versus like prehab measures where you're sleeping right, you're eating right, you're doing the exercises. So, you know, you're strengthening. What's the balance there? Yeah. I mean, I think there are certain, (laughs) he's popping in. He likes to stand on my desk. Um, (laughs) That's my puppy (laughs) for those of you listening. Um, Yeah. But I think uh, to answer your question, I think, um, you know, there are going to be injuries that like, no matter how much prevention work, no matter how good a sleep, no matter how great your nutrition is, you're just not going to be able to avoid, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just freak accidents. Sometimes it's just, um, you know, genetics and, and how it kind of goes. Um, but I do think that the prehab and, you know, the preventative measures and making sure that all this, um, you know, everything adds up to being able to perform, not only perform, meaning like scoring goals and assists on a lacrosse field, right, or running your fastest time, but also being able to go on the field healthy and come back off of it healthy. Like that's performing. Right. So, um, I think like, I I definitely do believe that, you know, the preventative measures, making sure the sleep is on track, making sure you're hydrated, making sure you're doing a lot of these different exercises, even though you feel good, right. You might feel good, but still working on like your balance on either leg or, you know, making sure that you're evening out any sort of like unevenness when it comes to mobility like in your hips or in your joints or anything like that um that can lead to a nagging injury that can lead to something that happens out on the field and you you didn't even know it so just checking in with yourself and your trainers and things like that i think is so important yeah and in my previous um actually the the week before this one will be released uh podcast i talked to alex weber who's american ninja warrior and he talked about how uh, in one instance, his ego got in the way of him uh, not thinking something through, and then he ended up breaking his hand. And you know, mm-hmm. and I think that can go as well with this, where like you can almost get too confident in your own ability to say like, "Yeah, I'm indestructible because I never get hurt." And then that's when you get you know hurt because you're not doing those preventative uh, measures and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting close to the end of our time here, uh, but I we have a, a question. Sometimes I'll, I'll throw out like, you know, where, hey, I'm talking to Kylie. You know, what questions do you have for her? And this question is more about lacrosse, the sport in general, than Kylie. Um, but <laughs> it, they wanted to know, in your opinion, is lacrosse going to be an Olympic sport eventually? And if so, when? That's awesome. Um, love that question, first of all. Second of all, to give a, a hopefully educated answer to this. Um, so lacrosse is most likely, it's in the works, to be an Olympic sport in the Los Angeles Olympics in 2028 for the first time as a sport. Um, that is being very heavily worked on by U.S. lacrosse, world lacrosse, a lot of entities across the globe um, that it's trying to get um lacrosse into the olympics so to answer that question quickly we are fingers crossed it's above 90 percent hopeful that we're going to be in the 2028 olympic as an olympic sport um so all of you out there listening keep your fingers crossed continue to watch lacrosse continue to follow all of us on social media and you know just in what we're doing and and watch professional lacrosse watch team usa watch you know lacrosse all over the all over the world because that viewership and that fanship is going to help us be able to do something like that. So we appreciate you guys. 
do you think that's kind of the the main factor why it hasn't been is just not as global as other sports? Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. I think, um, you know, there are a bunch of different factors that lead into it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's a very heavily popular sport in North America. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you go outside of that, you know, there are a couple really awesome spots like Australia, um, England, Japan, um, they have a lot of really talented players and they really love lacrosse. And then, you know, being able to bring it across the globe to a lot of those other spots that, you know, are up and coming in the sport, um, is important. So, and I think that the people involved in the sport, the sport itself, everybody who plays it is doing a great job of being able to to put it in front of eyes that might have never mm-hmm. seen it or might have never watched it or might have you know again like you said like don't know too much about it mm-hmm. just being able to learn with an open open eye is just an awesome thing so first yeah. of all I appreciate you having me here um as a lacrosse player and, and learning a little bit more about the sport yeah no problem so seven years from now are we gonna see kylie in the olympics <laughs> on the team usa um fingers crossed i don't know how i don't know like again i know this podcast is all about uh recovery so i gotta make sure i take care of my body because it is getting old already on me and that's seven years from now so we'll see what uh the future holds but um if in any way possible i will definitely be holding an american flag somewhere along the way (laughs) um on the way to the olympic journey for for lacrosse so cool all right, so I know uh, I know you have a podcast as well, the Dream On podcast. So I want you to tell a little bit about that, and then where people can find you. And we'll wrap up here. Awesome, thank you. Um, yeah, so I have a podcast called Dream On with Kylie O'Miller. Um, I kind of I bring on people who have been an impact player in my lacrosse journey, whether I've played with them on Team USA or I've been able to meet them and see their impact on the lacrosse world or just the sports world in general. Um, we've got a really different array of guests. We have like, um, I think 25 to 30 episodes out already. Um, and it's just a really great conversation. If you're a lacrosse fan or not, we talk a lot about inspiration and um, mentors and uh, a lot of the mental games. So um, yeah, that's Dream On. And you can find anything that I do on the work side of things. I own my own business, KO17 Lacrosse. Um, that's on social media as well. And myself is Kylie O'Miller, 17, on Instagram and all the social channels. Awesome. And I'll have links to all <laughs> uh, all the places you can connect with Kylie in the show notes so you can go uh, download those. And Kylie, thanks so much for being on the show. It was great uh, getting your insights and your wisdom from a different perspective of the lacrosse. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you giving me a space to talk about it. All right, episode's over. If you found value in this episode, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. And if you haven't already yet subscribed, do so now so you don't miss any important topics in the coming week. And if you have any questions or suggestions for the show, please send them my way. I am most responsive on Instagram. That's at jcheese, J-A-E, cheese like the food or email me directly at jace j-a-s-e at science of sports recovery.com talk soon